Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and I am on the podcast joined with Stan Podolak. How are you doing, Stan? Doing pretty good. How are you, Colin? I'm good. You staying safe during uh, quarantine? Uh, as safe as it can be in my bedroom is pretty much the only scenery I've had for going on a month now. Yeah. So let's talk about your card counting career and start at the start. How did you get started as a card counter? Yeah, a good friend of mine uh, who I have been friends with since middle school um, introduced me to Holy Rollers. We watched that together like right after we graduated college um, and he was the first one who got interested in it and um, figured something I might might as well give it a crack at it if I had this whole summer free. Uh, only thing I had to do that summer right after college was study for some uh, content tests, which I had to pass in order to become certified to teach. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, those things took like two or three hours of study a day and I didn't really have anything else to do. So trained uh, on BJA, used your videos, the uh, original ones from way back in the day. This was quite a while ago. Um, but yeah, we uh, put together a little bankroll after we trained. Um, me and uh, Cal, we'll call him. Uh, he goes by Cal on the form, Cal Non Jr. Um, played with about a five thousand dollar replenishable bankroll at the beginning, and uh, we played together and and did not did not run well from the beginning. Um, and then that very next year, I got a, a what essentially was my dream job, coaching at a at a basketball powerhouse uh, program uh, where I live. Uh, pretty much the you know what I would consider as the top basketball program at the high school level in my area. So I, I was extremely fortunate to get on board there and uh, kind of wanted to take things that direction. And so my start with Blackjack was pretty slow. So that's, that's really interesting. That makes me think of several things. First off, what did you, what did you teach or what did you uh, study? Yeah, yeah I taught um, for a couple of years, uh, one year of science, uh, a couple of years speech and communications. And a few years at the end, I taught uh, business and uh, investing concepts and things like that. Uh, which I think are pretty important. What, was that kind of secondary to being the the coach, or um, <clears throat> according to my salary, it was not secondary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but coaching did because uh, of you know the level of uh, the the program um, where I was. Yeah, coaching did take up a lot of time and was a, a, a big focus for me for sure. Okay. Uh, another thing that stood out to me is you said that uh, you had two or three hours of studying a day to get your certification and you, that wasn't enough studying time for you. So, so you studied card counting on top of that. I think that just kind of points out yeah. the personality, you know? Uh, yeah, I didn't even, uh, man, at that time, card counting training was so fun for me. I probably didn't even consider it uh, to be studying. It was, it was really a fun time. And yeah. I had, I was only, you know, I had just graduated college. So my floppy gambling career only lasted maybe a year, year and a half. And, uh, and I did not enjoy losing. So I had to figure out a way to, uh, to change that up. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. So how did you get the name that you go by, uh, I guess here on the podcast as well as on the forum, uh, Stan Podolak? Yeah. Um, so uh, keeping with the basketball theme, I mean, uh, if anybody has seen the great film Space Jam from the mid '90s, starring uh, Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny, the rest of the Looney Tunes, um, Stan Podolak was Michael Jordan's uh, publicist and uh, kind of the comedic relief in the movie. And um, basically, Stan symbolizes to me uh, someone who um, really sacrifices everything they can for the greater good of a team and expects absolutely no credit, no glory. Um, <clears throat> if you'll re remember the film from 25 years ago now, um, Stan, when Michael Jordan gets captured into the golf hole, he digs a giant hole in the golf course to try to find him. He sneaks into the uh, Monstars locker room at halftime and tries to figure out their secrets and ends up getting beat up for it. And that's how Michael Jordan realizes who he's playing against. It's the NBA players. Um, and then finally, the Monstars, I mean, absolutely pummel Stan and, and flatten him. And uh, that's how Michael realizes that he can stretch his body. And uh, that's how he makes the game-winning shot. 
So in, in a lot of ways, Stan is the hero of Space Jam and, and nobody recognizes that. And I kind of like that. So uh, tell me how that relates to card counting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> card counting for me didn't, I didn't really blossom as a card counter until I started networking. And, and, um, and so the value of, of teammates and, uh, and other people are really, really, really valuable to me. Um, and so uh, trying to offer other people value um, is, uh, is a goal of mine and always something I keep to be mindful of. Okay, I was thinking also, you know, card counters don't don't get a lot of glory, you know. Oh, God, like we're yeah. we're in no, the casinos. Yeah. We're in the casinos and and no one we don't want anyone to know what we're doing. And then yeah. when they do know what we're doing, we don't get praise for it. We get we get uh right. And you, you got poker players on ESPN. That's right. That's right. They're getting maybe more so 10, 15 years ago, but these these yeah. poker stars and we're these, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need the glory. I just I just want to beat the game and get the money. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. So you're teaching, you're coaching. What brought you back to blackjack or were you playing during that time? I was playing the whole time. Just not a lot of hours. I don't live near any casinos and putting as much hours into my career as I did. I really was only able to get 150, 200 hours max per year uh, during these years where I was really focused on coaching and teaching. Um, Okay. But um, all of this kind of started to come together at the same time. It's a lot of different factors. One, uh, a nice graph started to form over time. I started to see what the profit potential could be if I um, raised the stakes a little bit. Um, I started cracking open all the books and those really set a fire within me to, uh, 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 I mean, the the storytelling books are really uh, essentially my favorite and kind of um, really set me up to where um, I, I was I had decided, you know, this is what I want to do. Uh, I decided to go to a boot camp during around that time too, despite, you know, already know how to play. I just wanted to get better networked and, um, and um, just spend some time around other APs because really it took me years before I even met another card counter because of the area I live in. And I just wasn't putting in the effort to do that because I had other focuses. Um, So yeah. Any, any, specific books come to mind that were inspiring for you um yeah um uh, let's turn around my, i'm in my bookshelf right now uh burning the tables is, was amazing uh repeat until rich was probably the most well written um yeah uh, i mean anything by arnold snyder really really hooked me mm-hmm. in and he's one of, he's probably my favorite uh writer in terms of uh the teaching the game aspect um, mm. uh, and then, you know, ever since then, of course, I've picked up the 21st century card counter. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, that was, that was a great read as well. Oh, those are some, those are some good ones. Shout out to 1936 free waters and other blackjack endeavors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I remember that one. Not a lot of people know about that one, but, uh, it's definitely one of the funniest ones. Definitely the funniest one. The guy is hilarious. Cool. So, so you read some books, you saw the profit potential and you decided, you know, that, that coaching maybe wasn't all you hoped it would be. And blackjack seemed like a more, I don't know, better horizon. Coaching stayed very consistent because um, the, the program where I was at, I worked for a legendary coach who uh, ran the same type of system every year, had quality players every year. We won first place in our district uh, all five years that I coached there. Uh, went undefeated, I believe, three times um, and went deep in the playoffs every year. It was a good time. Uh, just the profit potential of blackjack just started to creep up and creep up to the point where it really became irresponsible. Uh to spend as much time as I was um, away from it. And my rule, even that I tell the rest of the guys on, on the team that I have and, and, and anybody who asks me is my rule for going pro is, is I wouldn't even consider quitting until you can generate twice the amount of EV in a year that you make. Um, and that was the number I went for. And once I, once I got there and I felt like I could do that, then I'm, I made the, the plans to make the change. Um, awesome. I don't know if you remember it, but I remember the phone call with you when you're interested in a boot camp, 
and and I you did. had a, you had a business plan. You had it all mapped out. It was it was actually really impressive, and it's, it's hard to know. You know, I I probably for every boot camp of twenty uh, people, I talked to over a hundred on the phone, and it's hard to tell who's who's serious and who's not. But when someone's coming at me with a business plan. <laughs> I know they've, they've put some <laughs> some thought into it. So kudos kudos on that. Uh, so what what was your family thinking, or did you tell them that you were going to quit teaching and coaching? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I don't have a big family, so it's really just uh, a few people we're talking about here. But they um, they're supportive, but they absolutely do not understand um, any part of it. Uh-huh. As long as I, as long as, long as I'm uh, happy, enjoying myself, and and successful, um, then I'm not sure I'm gonna hear any negatives out of their out of their mouths. But uh, at the beginning, at least, they were. You could just tell um, that they <laughs> they were like, "Oh man, what, what's what, what's he doing now?" Uh, <clears throat> but it's been almost a year now, and uh, we're going through a pandemic now, and I'm still still taking along just fine and um i think they're they've un, they understand that i'm i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing now this this it fits me really well so so how long has it been at this point that that you went from you know that you made the, well actually let's just step back and say you kind of made this decision to move away from teaching and coaching to full-time advantage play what did that path look like from that plan to actually going pro um, I had a lot of time to uh, to plan it out because my job was teaching and coaching. So those those years are pretty standard. Every year you're going to have a basketball season from November to March, and then school is going to go until June, and then you're going to be done for a few months. And so I, I knew exactly what my schedule was going to be for you know years ahead of time, and could come up with a plan, you know you know, well over a year in advance of when I would actually going to need to leave. So, and I, I was even honest with uh, my boss and all my coworkers throughout most of that last entire school year, um, you know, so that they could help find a replacement and, um, and make those preparations that they need to move forward. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really well, well thought out plan. Just like you said, uh, I had, I don't remember having a business plan, but that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> so this was was this two two years ago was it, or three um when i came to boot camp yeah mm-hmm. that was march of 2018 okay so so two years ago um mm-hmm. and did you pass your test out uh you gave me my test out and it was uh and it was <laughs> you you threw you threw two different answers at me one you said uh, you know, you still need to work on one thing and that was, you need to slow down. And another mm. thing you told me was your test out was a whole lot like Joe's, which to <laughs> me was like about as big as a compliment as <laughs> one can give. Uh, so I thought, okay, well, it's not all bad. I just got to work on, you know, slowing down and focusing and not trying to go too fast. I think I, mm-hmm. when I, when you were testing me out, I was still kind of in a mode of, of getting rounds per hour and a, mm-hmm. and a damn test out for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, um, that that's that's what happened. Okay, so so you came to this boot camp two years ago, and your game was, if not perfect, it was really damn close. Right, um, right. And uh, and then had you like the last couple, the previous couple summers, had you been hitting it hard while while you had the summers off? <clears throat> yeah, the summers when I would get, you know, probably three quarters of my play in throughout the year. Um, and uh, even then, I, you might think, oh, he's a teacher. He probably had two months to just take, get on the road and uh, play two months straight. Uh, I wish that was would have been the case, but we had a lot of uh, responsibilities with coaching over the summer, mm. different summer leagues and things like that. So I just couldn't, I couldn't be out of town the entire time. But um, yeah, I would say probably 100 out of the 150 to 200 I would get every year were in the summers. Okay. So, so my dad was a teacher and he always had a summer job. Uh, he was a, a lifeguard for a number of years. Or then he went back to school and became an x-ray technician. And so he'd teach during the school year and then he could still make, you know, um, actually he didn't, he didn't make a whole lot as a teacher. And so he could, you know, make almost as much during the summer. I always thought card counting, you know, could work out well that way to just, you know, hit it, hit it hard for the summer, but I understand that yeah. with the basketball tournaments. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, 
that was one thought I had, um, you know, when I was starting to make the plan for the transition was could I do card counting and just teach as well and, and not coach. But ultimately, I, I really don't think I would I could have done that. <laughs> so you decide to go you you, you uh, do the boot camp, your game's good. And did you just start hitting it or did you have to finish up that school year? Um, yeah, the, uh, I finished up through the school year through June, um, of last year and r- literally two days after school ended, I was on the road on my first trip as a pro, uh, and, oh, wow. and, um, been on the road, um, as much as I can since then until last month. <laughs> yeah. When nobody's on the road. Yeah. So the, this next question comes from Camp 2406, who asked, how do you think your approach to advantage play differs from others? I, I, I'm kind of split between um, card counting and some other plays, and a lot of people really don't fall into that category. Most people are either card counters or they've moved on from that and are exclusively doing other things. I, I really have a lot of um, card counting plays that, uh, I are really valuable, valuable to me. So, um, I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, I have really four advantage players that I look up to beyond anybody else. They're kind of considered my, um, <clears throat> Mount Rushmore <laughs> of people who I try to emulate or, or either that or the robo QB. <laughs> like if I could, if I could take Michael Vick's legs and <laughs> get Tom Brady's arm and all the, and Patrick Mahomes body, all that. So basically for uh, the leadership quality and longevity, Tommy Highland is, is um, someone that I look up to. I mean, if anybody can do it, if you can do it for as long as he has, you can, you're doing something right in terms of leadership because his team's been functioning at a high level for years and uh, decades. Um, that's something that I, I might want to do uh, as well. Versatility. Um, Vagabond is a, a good friend of mine and he can do a lot mm. of different things walk into a casino and can do five different advantage plays and it's about picking the right one at that mm-hmm. point. Um, he, I've learned a lot from him. Um, in the category of high standards of play, talking about a perfectionist, you probably know already who it is. Uh, Spartan. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was a huge inspiration when I was first starting out and taught me a ton um and his number one thing was uh be a perfectionist don't ever think like you're done training it's always about getting better no matter Mm -hmm. no matter how good you are um and then lastly for work ethic um this is someone uh he was the leading um money winner from the church team loud and often i just really inspired by his work ethic um just how he um, does all that by example. I haven't even talked to him all that much. I can just tell from his actions, uh, uh, you know, how hard he works and that I want to emulate it like as much as I can. Um, so those are, that's how my approach is and, and, and how I want to craft my career into, if I can just be a little bit like all those guys, I'll be okay. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a cool, cool description. And I think you nailed it with each of their strengths. I'll say loud and often wears me out on a blackjack trip. <laughs> you know, he's, he's just like uh, persistent and just wants to get in as many hours as he can. Uh, so I've experienced that for firsthand. Yeah. So you, you pass, uh, you go to the boot camp and you start hitting it hard. I'm at, I imagine mostly card counting. Uh, how long, uh, into it did you start looking into some other ways to to generate ev in a casino um right around i mean it was all about um when when the time came that i had some things to offer other people um mm. uh, in terms of uh trading information um I, I wasn't really successful in getting any uh, useful information uh, out of, uh, about any of this stuff out of anyone until I had something to trade in return. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, middle of last year, around the time I went pro, I um, ran into some people who I was able to um, bounce some ideas off of and also get some really valuable tips from uh, in generating EV in other ways. And it's helped out a lot, for sure. Okay. And what kind of hours were you putting in at the tables or have you been? Uh, over the time I've been uh, pro, I put in 50 to 60 hours uh, a month okay. um, counting yeah. cars. And um, 
yeah, that's that's down that's down from you know eighty whenever I was only counting cards. The uh-huh. hours hours tend to take a little bit little bit of hit when you do other things because there's only a certain amount of time in a day. So yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say because maybe you're betting more and it's harder to get in the hours. Oh no, no not even not even close. Uh, that's not an issue. Okay. So what about, what about databases? Have you, are you in a, yeah, I I stayed out for a long time as a part-time player, um, was really proud about that. Uh, but no, it's, uh, I'm in there now. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it hasn't had too much of an impact. I've continued to play rated at my local places and haven't been picked off because of it. That's Um, awesome. And I've maybe got one or two back offs on the road uh, because of it, but uh, my overall back off rate is pretty much say the same. I haven't really noticed that much of a difference. And how how have your stakes changed over that this two year period? Uh, they've gone up a little bit, but not much because of the streak that we'll talk about in a little bit. <laughs> sure. Well, we, we can get into that right now, actually. Uh, yeah. Tell us about, tell us about, I mean, I know you wrote a, a big forum post about it, which yes. I think was just really, uh, it showed kind of that attitude you talked about of, of wanting to give rather than looking just to receive that, that you're willing to say, look, you know, this is brutal, but, but this is what I went through. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of surreal to think about the amount of time that it was just cause from at the beginning of it, I wasn't, you know, I was still part-timing. And so just the, the sheer months that it lasted, I mean, 15 and a half months or so mm. where I, where I can cut that off in my results and it'll show $0 in AV. And it's just, you know, it makes your heart sink. Um, I generated 72 grand in EV over that time and uh, was backed off 13 times. Um, but I mean, it was, and it was really just a back and forth. I mean, every other trip I would win and lose 15 grand, win or lose 15 grand. And and it would just go back and forth and back and Mm -hmm. forth and have no end to it. Um, I mean, I was (laughs) 200 hours into it when I turned pro and was extremely optimistic that it would turn around because I didn't particularly want to start off uh my career with another another 200 plus uh and and ended up being another 300 plus um yeah i'm there's there's been a few guys that have that have gone through that and i reached out to a few of them um that have been through a similar streak and kind of got their perspective on it and they kept me kept me confident through some of it anyone you can mention yeah, Rymo had a couple of yeah. them. Rymo, Rymo mm-hmm. did a 400-hour one and a 350-hour one, I believe, which were, I mean, you know, both of them back-to-back almost. That's insane. Um, I didn't get to talk to Loud and often, but I know he had a, a brutal streak to start his career. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to talk to him next time at the boot camp uh, in uh, hopefully next month. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. So... So yeah, I mean that's a, that's a brutal. I I don't wish that upon any AP, but it you know it happens, especially when you consider distribution curve. You know, someone's bound to have, someone's yeah. bound to have it, and someone's bound to have the other the other side of it. But you, I remember your your chart that you came out of it, and then you just happened to like shoot <laughs> up upward. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was Mount Everest for real on that right side as one of my teammates called it. Um, he God, um, there was a point where, uh, I won 28 out of 31 sessions. Um, yeah. And about, about 61,000 or so over the course of like six weeks. Yeah. So was there a point during that stretch that you thought about just giving it up, doing something else? Uh, nope. Not even, <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Were you living off savings during that time? Yeah, I had, um, well, for the first 200, I still had a job. Um, and then after that, when I went pro, I set myself up be, uh, to be able to pay bills through, um, you know, 
eight to 10 months uh, if I didn't make any money in advantage play. Um, and on my other plays besides counting cards, I, I actually ran pretty crappy at that too, but I was making money. So it paid the bills. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, and then it was card counting where you just swung, swung up 60 K. There was one play that wasn't card counting, but it was okay. only like, it was like two days worth of it. Um, okay. But yeah. Um, we'll talk about that in a bit. So, I believe. so, so during, during that, uh, that streak of, I mean, were there, were there any huge downswings or was it mostly, yeah, maybe like 15 K down and then get back to even them back down or were there any big like dips that were discouraging? Uh, toward the end of my streak was the worst of it. November, December of last year. Um, I just couldn't buy a win. Um, mm. it was, it was nasty. I, I was really looking to get out of my streak during those months and it just, and I just sunk it worse, sunk further into it, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, coming out of last year was, it was brutal. So what, what kind of steps did you take during that to try to, you know, dig out of it or to lower your variance yeah i um i made some a little bit of tweaks to my game selection um not a not a not a huge adjustment just i just swore off you know a deck and a half cut off on shoe games completely i wouldn't play it anymore whereas previously uh i would play it a little bit probably like I think it was like eight to 10% of my sessions overall uh, during my losing or my break even streak were on mediocre shoe games like that. And I just quit them. Um, uh, the second thing I did was started a team to fade the swings, which it has done exactly that. Um, when you got eight guys um, getting in 250, 300 hours a month between everybody um you're gonna ride it a lot smoother and we've been mm-hmm. we've been getting about 214 bucks an hour ev on average as a team which is mm-hmm. up 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 pretty good from what i was doing as a solo player uh-huh so that's ev what about results is it uh results um i mean we're about halfway done closing our first bankroll when we got shut down by corona yeah. um mm-hmm. but we're up i mean we're up you know uh, mid five mid four figures um uh-huh uh, so, Sorry, mid mid five figures. Mid five count, figures. Okay, I can't can't, can't count my figures. <laughs> well, hey, it's 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 better to be up mid five figures than mid four figures. Right. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so so having a team, yeah, you, you're able to get to the long run faster. And there are times where multiple players are losing or multiple players are winning, but it's just a lot of large numbers. You can get there faster. And that that was it difficult to kind of recruit people to a team when you're in in the middle of this break even streak or do people just trust the math and trust your skill level? Yeah, that's a good question. I have no idea what these people were thinking teaming up with me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's an incredible leap of faith by some people uh, that deserve some credit for sure. Mm. Um, couple of them I've known for a really, really long time. So there was that um, they've, uh, you know, Obviously, Cal, the guy I've known since middle school, he wasn't going to be an issue. Um, there's been a couple of guys in my area that I kind of brought under my wing even you know, a few years ago, and just we've been we've played together quite a bit. Um, and so they were there even when I was even before the break even streak. When I my, before the break even streak, I had a, another very very good run, um, just like the one I just had almost. So it's, it's been streaky for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah, a lot of guys, eight guys on the team. So yeah, seven guys trusted that, uh, that I would get things turned around for sure. Cause everybody knew about it. So, so that's a pretty big team, you know, <clears throat> um, the church team, we had more than that at, at times. Um, but how do you keep, you know, good camaraderie and, and trust and all those things with, with, uh, eight people. Yeah. I had to be really, um, just, I just do the work ahead of time. I do, I, I pick the right people. Um, it was the same way I handled, uh, renting out, um, my, my last house, you know, how, how, how do you get so lucky and get renters that are so good? Well, I do my research and I, mm-hmm. and I pick the right person. You got to be good at, uh, judging character. Um, and, um, I feel like I am, um, the people I have are really good guys. So I haven't had any, we haven't had any issues, but we just kind of got started, but, mm-hmm. 
yeah, the camaraderie part is is easy and it's the best part of it. One, one of the big reasons why uh, I put it together um, as well. So, I mean, <clears throat> I've been you know, wanting to put together a team for uh, a long time and was really patient, just trying to get the right guys, put together the right group. And uh, that came together at the end of last year and we, find, we started getting going with it on, in January. Cool. Cool. So let's get back to your personal approach. This question comes from Overtime. He says, what are some of the things that you do that enable you to have longevity at casinos that other players might get backed off from pretty quickly? Uh, yeah. Um, this is kind of two-pronged. It's a completely different answer for if I'm at a local casino or if I'm traveling. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm local and I'm, you know, like, at the cheers casino as i call it where everybody knows your name <laughs> um basically you need to develop a relationship with everybody there including uh, cashiers players club uh janitors if you want it doesn't matter just be, know everybody that you can uh be a pleasant customer to be around uh mm -hmm. try to figure out ways to make them think that you're a regular customer just like everybody else and then beyond that it just uh, your actual play style. Um, I really take pride in, in playing it cool, not ever, you know, looking at the cards or the discards or just, and, you know, being talkative, things like that. Um, but my number one rule, uh, for local casinos would not be to not set off alarm bells. Um, things like winning too much in a day, mm -hmm. uh, cashing out too much at one time, um or doing anything funky with chips some of these really small casinos i play at they they hawk their black chips like this like mm. it's gold so i mean they, there's absolutely no reason to do anything fishy with them because they know where they are um yeah. <clears throat> things like that uh is what i do at locals so so hold, hold on i have a question about local casinos um mm -hmm. you you said uh you know not winning too much how do you determine those uh, thresholds is it casino by casino or oh for sure every, yeah yeah every casino is going to be different on that um basically um yeah if, if 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 they are your locals um playing there every day you should get an idea based on being observant uh and, and when you're having one of your you know one of your winning sessions where the chips are piling up you got to be alert to who is starting to sweat a little bit even mm -hmm. if they even if they're not suspicious of anything you're doing when chips pile up people get nervous so you just got to see when that time comes when people are starting to get nervous um and, okay and then make a note of that and try to try to stay around that area um yeah does that result in some kind of shorter sessions but you're okay just walking um it's uh, it's resulted in me cutting things short for a day at a casino, um, but that uh, generally um, just means I'm going to be going to the next casino. Um, yeah, okay, <clears throat> that makes sense. So, so you're saying when you travel, what what's your approach? Right. Um, yeah, when I'm traveling, my number one thing is that I uh, have to have a developed reason uh, for being there. Um, it has to be believable be able to answer questions about it um mm. you know even provide proof of it um you know if you're if you say you're there uh you know visiting your little cousin uh have it whip out a picture of your little cousin and and they'll be like oh how cute you know stuff like that um yeah so so you put a lot of forethought into kind of uh who you're putting out to the casinos both at home and on a trip oh yeah um Definitely. I'm always, uh, uh yeah, it, with, with every play, you know, it's different. If it's going to be a place where, uh, I plan on trying to, um, return to that same place, uh, and play at that casino for a long time, they'll say it's not a card counting play. And it's something that I'll be able to play, you know, just indefinitely at, um, yeah, you, it, then, then it comes to come back to being a little bit more like a local casino and being a part of uh, the customer base there and fitting in, being social and everything like that. Um, but um, yeah, so a lot of, a lot of this stuff uh, isn't really going to fool a sharp eye. So if you're 
card counting um you just i just go circle back to being really selective on casinos um where i play at i'm just not gonna play every single every single place when i'm traveling and like all sorts of things go into how i how i select it. it's usually mostly networking and things like that but i think we're going to talk a little bit more about scouting later yeah yeah well yeah let's get let's get into that what how do you scout yes scouting is um like it doesn't even feel like work for me i'm it's like one of the most fun things i do like when i get ready geared up to go on another trip um it's basically three parts uh my scouting process first um before i even leave i'll i'll be online um i have every casino website saved uh and tabs on a map that i can just click to really easily and i'll see every casino's promotions they're going to be having on mm. the days the days that i'll be there um that's stuff smart. like that um and that doesn't even really take that long because you know 90 percent of the time you're going to find nothing and it's just click out of that tab go to the next one um networking is the second thing and um basically i just um really like to learn from others experiences to make my decisions um better and i mean if you have like you know if i got an eight person team it's essentially the same thing as having the experience of of eight people all in mm -hmm. one if you're going if you're going to take the do go through the effort of asking before you know you go to a town hey who's been to you know biloxi you know where should i go what should you know mm -hmm. give me give me the lowdown um never go into a situation that's completely unknown if you don't have to if you have a, enough um people around you that uh, have played enough then that should never happen the third thing that I do is actually the physical scouting when I'm in the casino. Um, I visit the players club. I check their pamphlets, see what they have um, that, that may not be advertised on their websites. You'd be surprised at what they don't ever even uh, advertise. Um, talk to the ploppies uh, to get an idea uh, of what they're getting in comps. Like I'll, I'll really strike up conversations with other um players that are clearly playing rated and playing for the similar stakes that i am i'll want to mm -hmm. uh, you know i'll try to figure out hey what do you, what do you get in free play uh, what are they giving you so try to figure out what might be valuable there um and then i, I try to take as good notes as i can and uh, be generous with uh, the rest of the guys on my team with those and uh, have them just be open for anybody else okay so you've you you've uh you skipped one step which is looking for lucky dealers how much time do you spend oh, man. well i i don't spend many any time because i already know where they are at my local casinos when i walk <laughs> in the door so so and, and you've also alluded to uh this other play can can we be honest and talk about your high stakes pie gow team uh yeah <laughs> a friend of, a friend of mine just uh ordered a pie gal book and because he couldn't get it shipped because <laughs> he couldn't get it shipped to him so he had it shipped to me and so i just flipped it open just to look at it for two pages and yeah i'm not going to be opening that book again <laughs> well there's really two tricks two tricks to successful pie gal one is you got to find the lucky dealers and then two <laughs> It's all about how slowly you open your hand. You know, they they slide these like whatever it is, five or seven cards to you. Oh man! And the really good players, they open the, they slide those cards really, really slowly. They've got special way, like maybe they'll they'll peek one card down and then slide some of them left to right. And I think that that's really the trick to Pygao. That is exactly the opposite of blackjack. Because every time I see <laughs> someone doing that at a blackjack table, they are a loser. <laughs> well uh for those who don't know i'm joking uh <laughs> pi gal we used to sometimes we would get you know promotional things that were worth playing at pi gal um or there were there were there were some casinos that we were banned from the blackjack tables but we might have like a 50 dollar 100 dollar match play and so we'd just you know run in there and play pi gal or whatever <laughs> uh there probably were smarter ways to play it but we didn't know anyway i digress i know you're not going to tell your other your other plays but tell tell us what size bankroll you started off with i mean i know you and your buddy cal uh yeah we started with five yeah we pretty much i i after that and when i was just going to play by myself um as a part-time player i i used a replenishable bankroll format the entire time i was part-time up until you know last year uh that grew quite a bit obviously but um 
I mean, I, I, yeah, I started with another five after me and Cal uh, went bust on that first five, mm-hmm. and and on, and on my own, I, I went bust on that five again, and mm-hmm. so I've lost two replenishable bank rolls. Uh, but hey, you know that was at the very beginning, and that's why it's replenishable. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was, um, you know, making plenty of money, and part of, uh, you know, part of building a, a bank roll. Uh, has to be other things besides blackjack if you're not going to be playing just a ton of hours and i mm-hmm. didn't have the ability to play a ton of hours um so i was my i had to come up with a plan to invest into blackjack from my my everyday salary mm-hmm. um just like it was an investment account and just consider ev to be uh dividends and compound interest so i mean the other way to think about that with uh replenishable bankroll is you could say, well, yeah, you, you busted two $5,000 bankrolls or the other way to look at it is with a replenishable bankroll, you're down, you know, 10, oh, yeah. 10 K of, mm-hmm. of, we'll say a 20 or $25,000, right. you know, bankroll over a long enough period of time. You got all that back. So what are some tips you have for people that are, you know, trying to grow a smaller bankroll? Uh, yes. Um, um, like I was saying, um, you know, playing blackjack alone is going to be possible for some people, but not others. Um, a lot of stars have to align for you, uh, really being honest uh, about it to, to grow $2,000 into half a million dollars, like the handful mm-hmm. of players, uh, that have done that, you know, think about the people who have done that, uh, you, Joe, Yoshi, those guys, what do they all have in common? Um, <clears throat> Pretty much, they had easy access to good games at low stakes. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a lot of expenses. They were younger, physically able to play as many hours as they wanted mm-hmm. to. They, they could travel as much as they wanted to once they, you know, once that became an option. Their work ethic was there. I mean, those are the stars that have to align. And if you know, if any one of those isn't there, then you got to come up with other ways to grow it. And mm-hmm. There's plenty of other ways. My route obviously was to get a job and contribute. Uh, just mm-hmm. like it was a retirement account that I played blackjack with. Totally, totally. No, that's that's helpful for people. I mean, you know, <laughs> I think some people say you can't do it, and I would say, well, you know, yeah, me, Yoshi, Raimo, Joe, we're we're proof that you can. But like you said, you got to have a lot of things line up. I mean, even even on top of the things you mentioned, a little bit of luck, or maybe a lot yes. of bit of luck. Yeah, running uh, good at the beginning was yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, someone like Richard Munchkin, he was unlucky to start off his, and he was like, "Ah, oh, screw this," and and quit. And it wasn't until you know mm-hmm. a team of people came came to him that he gave it another another try. So, uh, kudos to you for finding another way to do it. And and I I tell a lot of people, you know, similar to what you said, going pro should be like your your last resort. It's when it's like, hey, I can make so much more money going full time that yeah. I can't I I can't do anything but go pro. It shouldn't be like, oh, I want to be a card counter. Let me quit my job and start <laughs> playing playing the tables with, you know, three grand or five grand or whatever. Um, yeah. So can you share with us any any fun stories from your days out out on the, you know, beating the beating the trails as, as an AP? Uh, yeah, my first uh, trip that I took as a member of the team after uh, I met a couple of other guys and uh, we got up in a hotel room somewhere and um, just tested everybody out and just hit the road right from there. Um, I literally, the second day I was on the road, uh, a friend of mine um, gave me a tip that there just might be a two for one, a two to one blackjack promotion out in this casino in the middle of nowhere. So I said, you know what, why not? Let's, let's go and see what's, what's out there. Uh, it was like <clears throat> four hour drive into the forest basically. Uh-huh. Um, so when I got there, there was no two for one blackjack. Um, so I just said, oh, well, let's just play and see what happens and try to get a couple hours and head back. Well, the, <clears throat> probably 20 minutes into my session, I took a fifth card and uh, they scooped my cards and paid me. And I said, well, what, what's that? What happened? Yeah. What, what, is, what is this? <laughs> um, and they said, oh, it's a five card Charlie promotion for um uh the, all this month every day um and i'm like 
oh god yeah uh, and uh i immediately went to the bathroom texted all my teammates and said yo uh w- what do we do here um so it turns out i had to go learn a, a separate strategy to play the game mm-hmm. um so I just, I, I finished up my session pretty quickly. I only played maybe an hour and I, I used an incredibly light spread that wasn't going to be detectable because I figured mm-hmm. even without knowing the strategy, it was probably about a break-even game off the top anyway. Um, so light spread and I won about 4,000 um, bucks. And at the cashier's cage, uh, this is gives you an idea of the sizes and, uh, and niceness of the casino. I, I was approached by two security guards and um they just tapped me on the shoulder and said dude we just want to come up and say congratulations it's been a long time since anybody won this kind of money here. oh that's awesome <laughs> um so that freaked me out for a split second and then it was all good and then had uh, a police escort to my car they just offered it and i'm like oh this is like you know regular regular session for me but let's yeah. do it um and then, so I, I went and I got into another, I went to another hotel room for a day to study the strategy. And I had one of my other teammates who already knew the strategy go and play it first. He drove two states mm-hmm. over, he drove two states over at the drop of a hat to play it. And um, while I studied up on the strategy, uh, he ended up winning a good amount. And then I came in a couple of days after him, he played two or three days. And then I came in and uh, my first day I won uh, a little over 20,000. Oh, that's and, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was between an evening and the next morning. And I mean, people were just, I mean, there was crowds forming and, and oh my gosh, e- everybody in the casino, um, who the majority of which were on some sort of hard drugs. Um, <laughs> the majority of these people I'm telling you, um, is we're, we're out here in the, in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I'm, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I coming with coming up with an exit strategy just so I can uh, keep this play alive for another teammate mm-hmm. who's who I got coming in the next day and then another one the next day and then see how long we can keep this thing going. It was only going to be scheduled to uh, to run through the end of the month and um, after that we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, yeah. So we had we had to have somebody there at the um, you know at the tail end of that month just to see what they were going to announce because this is a casino they barely even had a website um yeah to, to announce anything so we had to have somebody physically up there um so it turns out they changed the promotion after that month to uh monday wednesday only um which sucks because it sure. means that it, it means that they're going to figure you out um when you're only playing when you're monday only playing <laughs> yeah we, we weren't we weren't going to give up the ev by going in there and doing dumb stuff on tuesday and thursday just to keep mm-hmm. it alive. But we, so we lasted a couple of weeks on Monday and Wednesday uh, with a couple other guys that came, we went up there, uh, went a little bit more, but um, yeah, after that they limited it to uh, $25 max pay on a Charlie and 10 Charlies per day. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. The first, yeah. The first thing they did was take away their shoe game completely. The first game that we showed up to play was a $300 max shoe game which was close to $900 to $1,000 an hour oh, flat, bet, awesome. um, flat betting. And uh, the first thing they did after my first teammate went in and just had crazy huge swings, just when you're flat betting table max at yeah. 200, round, 200 rounds per hour sometimes, I mean, the swings are just insane. The casino wasn't comfortable with them. And then they, they took away the shoe game. And so the only game available was their single deck, three to two, um, and basically dealt out like one or two rounds or whatever, <laughs> but it, it didn't um, matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. Um, but uh, yeah, so it chopped the hourly rate down because of the slower game, but it yeah. was still re- really good. Um, and it was a slightly lower max on the other game too. But mm-hmm. yeah, it it, uh, it lasted a good time. And for there was a while where we were uh, in our teammate group chat. We were it was it was hilarious. I mean, we were just speculating on what could potentially happen if we were to take more money out of this casino than they were afford they could afford to lose i mean because this this is just a dump of a casino out there that uh, who knows what they could have lost to us if they never would have figured it out um but probably wasn't that much more than we got 
So, so did you guys have to have to count at that game or, or was it just, it was just an edge off the top based on a five card Charlie. Yeah, it was an edge off the top based on the five card Charlie rules. Uh, we still counted mm-hmm. just to use some deviations and for insurance. Um, mm-hmm. And it was because it was a single deck. So why not? Sure. Um, but <clears throat> But yeah, um, there was there were some times where, the, when I, especially when I was there, and then the teammate who came in after me, when they were just in total freakout mode, um, they were on the phone whispering about edge sorting and all oh, these boy. other things that were, you know, yeah, they're way off. Which, by the way, their cards were awful and could have been edge sorted um, given the opportunity. But no, that's not what we were doing. So you're probably doing some crazy stuff like hitting four card 17s and yeah, you hit any four card soft total, of course, and you hit four card 17 against nine, 10 race. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, you do some pretty funny plays and it's really surprised me that those plays never got it, got the attention of what we were doing and they never figured it out until we just showed up on the Monday and Wednesdays. They had no yeah. clue. So I'm just going to use this as an opportunity to, to teach people out there that you got to look at the opportunities. You know, um, I, I, I've talked about at boot camps or in my book about, you know, coming across games with an edge off the top at multiple casinos. And, you know, when I first started as a card counter, I didn't even know it had an edge off the top, but then, you know, you learn a bit more and realize, Hey, this, this promotional rule plus this promotional rule. And all of a sudden, you know, like counting, yeah, maybe you're counting just to know when to when to back off your betting, but not to be raising your betting. There was some casino that had it was a, a handful of things, but one of them it wasn't a five card Charlie. I can't remember if it was six or seven. It was like on top of all these other pro- promotional rules, but it made it so that you know when you've got maybe it's a six card Charlie. So you got a five. You know, in those rare cases where you have a five card. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna you're gonna do some weird hits just just because you know you're getting paid, you know right away or or maybe you get paid I can't remember what it was two to one if you get a, a seven card chart I, I don't remember oh, wow it was yeah. it was something weird it was not a whole lot of EV but <laughs> I guess my point is we're doing some weird stuff because of all these different promotional rules and and it was well worth it to just be aware of what was out there and you know you find a casino in the middle of nowhere that that has this and that's all of a sudden. That's a gold mine. Absolutely. There there was really no finding this game if you hadn't <laughs> have played if you hadn't have sat down to play it because it was not yeah. advertised the promotion. Um literally after I got my first five five card Charlie and realized what it was, I was like I was looking around for like a sign or anything and, and the guy eventually points over to the next blackjack table over, which was closed, and on top of it was a flat eight and a half by 11 white sheet of paper that explained five card Charlie. <laughs> That's awesome. And that was the extent of their advertising. So there would have been no way. I mean, yeah, you got to really dig. So I, I want to take a brief moment to uh, acknowledge our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Dumb Casinos. Dumb Casinos, <laughs> making APs since 1960 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> you, got, you got me there, Colin. I thought we had a sponsor. <laughs> Nope. Uh, I think our, our only other sponsor is, has been Denny's with <laughs> Denny's yeah. open 24 hours a day. Uh, and we got no money from Denny's just, just <sighs> a stomach ache. Um, all right. So our next question comes from cowboy 88 who asked, uh, what have you enjoyed the most about pro AP life and disliked the most? Um, the most, um, it really fits my personality, uh, really well. I mean, my closest friends have all told me that I do, uh, I, I kind of think differently and have a, you know, a weird outlook on a lot of things and just a quirky personality that card counting gels really well with it. So mm. um, I think it's really cool for me to do. And um, another thing would be the freedom that just comes with working for myself, being able to choose, uh, you know, when things go right and wrong in my life for better, uh, for w- way easier than it's, it, uh, was when I was teaching, it seems like, mm-hmm. um, things that I dislike the most, the smoke and the inconsistent food quality in casinos, <laughs> yeah. uh, would probably be the number one thing, but that's going to be, uh, that's going to be across the board with most guys who are out there, I think. Cool. Um, we'll have to ask you again in another two years. Uh, you yeah, know, uh, yeah. 
especially after the team has been at it for a while, kind of, you know, what, what, uh, I think the camaraderie will, will be something that you'll, you'll be thankful for. Oh, no question. No question. Uh, I, that's yeah. The team, the team aspect, it would be another thing that I could put under my, my likes. I mean, it's a great group of guys who, yeah, I'm not making any trades. That's for sure. Awesome. So we got one last question, which comes down to what are your goals from here? Yeah. Um, well, first in terms of my team, um, I really want to establish, um, that card counting team as more of a, as like a permanent presence. I mean, I understand guys are going to grow out of it and, and leave and do their own thing, but I want to try to keep getting new players in at the same rate. So I want to keep this thing going. Even if I stop playing some time down the line, um, I think running a blackjack team is something I could do uh, for really forever, whether or not I'm even, whether or not I'm even out there. So yeah, if I could um, establish them, as um as a permanent presence that'd be great uh number two i want to go to the blackjack ball be invited to that once that'd be amazing mm-hmm. um and then lastly um i really just want to I, I i tend to you know jot down in a journal cool things that happen uh over the course of uh being on the road but you know at the end of it I want to have uh, you know a story that's really worth writing down and and refining and putting together something like mm-hmm. a book. I don't know if it'll be worth reading, but I I'd, I'd want to put it together anyway. So that'd be a goal of mine. That's awesome. Well, you know, maybe uh, I've had the thought of some sort of blackjack apprenticeship publishing. Uh, maybe maybe hey, uh, just there we go. just just for the people like you that that uh, have a story worth telling. You know. Um, I'd, I'd love to see those, those story, you know, or whatever you can go through a different publisher or you can self publish, but either way, I think there are stories worth, worth telling reflections worth reflecting on. Yes, absolutely. You know, and, and life lessons worth telling. So uh, that's, that's cool. I'm, I'm excited to keep, you know, keep in touch with, with how things progress. And, you know, it seems like the last two years have flown by and things have changed a lot already yeah no question this quarantine gives us a little extra time to slow down and and reflect on some stuff yep and getting in plenty of practice and working on working on the skills but yeah it just it's it's, (laughs) it just seems like the days just are fast are in fast forward right now because there's just absolutely nothing out here to do did you uh did you read uh gross jeans blog post yes yeah so he talked about you know refining your craft or adding skills to your craft it's cool to hear that you know you're a full-time player and you're using this downtime to do that is that true uh yeah i don't know what else i would do i mean i'm like literally in my in my room here is just a couple of blackjack tables and uh, a tv and really um just working on my cutting my my estimating decks and different different skills that really just take tons mm-hmm. of hours and uh, it would be a shame to waste this time in history that'll probably never happen again where i'm just shacked up in a room for a, a month <laughs> with any with the ability to do anything i mean yeah that's really smart and and you know i know we're running long here but i'll just say you know if i could go back uh in time i would have taking the time to to do more of that, you know, to not just be content as as a good card counter, but to, you know, um, add some other skills. If if not, to use them a lot, just to even know if I come across something, hey, here's here's how I can attack it. Um, or even just to to have other skills, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's smart. I think that's gonna suit you well and your team. Um, and you guys as a team will have to decide how how to, you know, test out these various skills or, or when to use them, when not to use them. But uh, kudos to you for doing that. And, and uh, when I have taken the time to invest in other skills, it's always been fun, uh, you know, at, at the least. I agree completely. <laughs> All right. That's, that's my last rant. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to share your story with us. And uh, People uh, will know a bit more about you when they bump into you at a boot camp or or on the forum or or anything else. Um, and people can find you on the forum if they have 
follow-up questions. Is that true? Absolutely. You guys can check me out and the, uh, even in the DMS on the, the forums and things like that. And, um, hopefully the boot camp will happen at the end of next month and get to see some new faces. Hey, I'm still hoping to, to have three boot camps this year. There's yes. three. I've got, I've got the dates booked for three this year. And so that's what I'm still hoping for and get back to, uh, get back to some blackjack right. and, and some, uh, face to face time, not zoom. Yeah, time. Right. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And uh, for all you guys listening, you can, you know, reach out to Stan through the BJ forum and have a great rest of your week. Thanks again, Colin.